StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. I'm right now here again on a Saturday in my cramped study and I do have another interview guest here with me. Before uh, we get into the interview, make sure you like and subscribe and hit the bell button as well. We now have a patron account so you can find everything down here. So first, Karim, I would like to welcome you to my podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. Completely my pleasure. And as all our frequent viewers and listeners can tell, you are um, in some relation with a startup. The viewers can already see your CEO and co-founder of a startup called Habadaba. We, we get into the right pronunciation. Don't worry. And um, But first, let's talk a little bit about you and what you did before you came to this startup, which is based in Munich. Let, tell us a little bit about you. Um, so I was born in, in Cairo um, to a sort of a mixed family, German-Egyptian family, where I also went to school, uh, to a German school, but I also had the Egyptian degree. And after finalizing my school, uh, I studied on energy economics um, and right away then started working in the development uh, cooperation field. So basically doing uh, development finance projects in Southeast Asia, in the Middle East, um, focusing on climate change, climate change mitigation, and also sort of finance and, and provide uh, yeah, financial means to people who do these types of projects. And um, from there, I decided, yeah, the learning curve is flattening out. So uh, I want to uh, go back, uh, sort of, uh, um, yeah, uh, and find a new path. Uh, so I went back to university uh, at uh, TU Munich here in Munich. It's basically where the first steps of how it all began. What also influenced me a lot was, of course, um, I was in it during the Arab Spring in Egypt, which I had the feeling that this had a lot more impact than all the development finance I've been doing uh, or I could do. So, um yeah, this kind of forced me to say, let's try an entrepreneurial path. And this brought me to the TU Munich. That is pretty nice. Uh, sorry for all the interruptions we have here, but we're still recording in times of Corona and there's a lot of traffic on the internet. Really sorry about this. There's nothing we can do about it. You've been there in the Arab Spring. Can you tell us a little bit about the Arab Spring? Because we have audiences from all across the world and also North America, Asia, they may not be very well aware of what was going on there. Well, basically, it was the, uh, the uprising that happened in the in January, uh, mainly uh, like between December and, and February in 2011, that led to the ousting of the president um, uh, of, uh, of Egypt at the time, and was mostly uh, led by a young uh, group of, of uh, people. And in that time, um, like a lot of uh, energy, like I think a lot of businesses got formed also in the aftermath, a lot of sort of entrepreneurial striving 
you know, trying to find entrepreneurial solution to some of the inefficiencies of, of uh, old um, um, economic systems. Um, so yeah, so the energy was was quite quite high at the moment, and I remember um, yeah sitting together with a lot of people in one room, thinking like, how can you move forward? And this energized me, and I felt like, okay, so um, development assistance is one way, but how being sort of building your own thing um, kind of um, has a greater impact. And yeah, this was basically what led me. Um, to to the path I have chose. I see. Uh, we may add that uh, working in development is usually a technical assistance or business assistance just to help people get businesses or um, sustainable development off the ground. What is the area you've been working in? In that particular sphere, uh, so we were working at uh, a partnership office between the United Nations Environment Program and the Frankfurt School of Finance and Management. Uh, and basically, it was about training microfinance institutions and banks on how to provide uh, finance for uh, renewable energy and energy efficiency applications. So this was more my, my, my sphere. So basically how can, from very small households, you know, gen biogas generators to solar home systems, upwards to wind parks and, and, uh, and bigger solar parks, how can banks develop products that help people kind of finance and, and build these type of projects uh, from the ground up? I see, and... Um... When I'm stalking you on LinkedIn, it shows me that you went from there, from this position, straight into your startup. So uh, what was kind of the trigger that triggered the, um, the, the, the decision? Okay, now I want to fend for my own. And then we can get into what you guys are actually doing, right? So uh, um, after, I think, working in, two and a half years, three years in this sphere, I felt that my um, sort of the learning curve is flattening out. It's just a bit of a repetitive and also had a lot of the projects going out there, but also some projects that, that kind of um, disillusioned a bit the idea of, of, you know, development cooperation. You really need the local ownership. You really need entrepreneurship uh, in order to, to manifest sort of the, the positive impact. Um, and so this drove me to look at... Uh, um, uh, yeah, to look at what, what else is out there. So I started screening for master's thesis. I, do, I had a bachelor uh, back then, and I found the TU Munich, which is, an, uh, as it uh, refers to itself, an entrepreneurial course on entrepreneurship. And I thought, okay, uh, so we have a mixture between technical stuff, hands-on um, uh, studies, uh, electrical engineering was my focus, and, and com in combined with entrepreneurship. So this led me to university. So it wasn't just right away a jump uh, from, from my job to the startup, but it was in between. I had a, a started my studies, and within the studies, um, yeah, <clears throat> we left the, the, the apartment, everything in Frankfurt, moved to Munich, started new, and from there, within the studies, a seminar um, led me to the idea of, of how I with a group of students uh, back then uh, within a seminar of the TU Munich. And uh, yeah, since then, things have taken their path. Uh, we may tell everybody who's not from Germany, TU Munich refers to technical university. It's one of the premier institutions of higher learning in Germany. And they are, of course, very much focused on technical subjects like engineering, physics, chemistry, computer science, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. yeah. 
and they do have also a great encouragement and great system to set up for um, startups and founders. We've seen a few very interesting startups coming out from there. So now you've doing your master thesis, you are in Munich. How did you start a startup? Um, so, um, I mean, I, I went to a master's degree that was a mixture of electrical engineering and, and business, and I had only a background in business. So doing a master's in engineering wasn't that permissible back then, but I had very good math grades. And then I talked to the professors who interviewed me and said, okay, I need to do some some degrees from before, from the bachelor's, and uh, sort of in order to, to, to uh, get the full degree. So um, um, we moved, so me and my family, my wife, uh, Yvonne, and... and um, our daughter, basically, uh, uh, were living then in Munich, and within the sphere of a seminar of this uh, course that I had chosen, uh, called Think Max Start, which is sort of co-organized by the Technical University of Munich and Unternehmertum, which is uh, sort of the entrepreneurial factory, basically, in, in, in Munich. Uh, um, yeah, uh, it was a hackathon two weeks. You get an idea. You have to develop an idea and build a prototype in two weeks with a competition in it. So uh, then already sort of we I was sitting next to an Indian colleague, Nikhil, um, who talked about uh, air pollution similar countries. And from there, kind of how it all started its first steps um, in, in the two weeks. And uh, yeah, and we did the, the, the a prototype of a wearable device for asthmatics to be carried around. Um, in order to help uh, people at risk groups to know when air pollution is bad and good. Um, sort of a very, very basic laser cut device. <laughs> Wasn't very professionally made, but the idea and the concept uh, led us to win the, the company there. Everything took its course, basically. So people with asthma, they do have a respiratory condition and basically they have uh, they tr should avoid as much as possible all polluted air because it can trigger um, like uh, acute asthma, which makes it very, very hard to breathe for them. Um, that said, basically, you went from a wearable device for uh, people with asthma into uh, monitoring air quality. So, yeah, so the idea back then was you get a device and, uh, for, for direct consumers, uh, people wear it, it's a wearable device, and uh, you crowdsource the data uh, and create a map for everybody else to see so uh, people can, can see, you know, who else is wearing the device uh, out there. And because it's very basic disease management, it's always to say avoid the triggers of, of uh, both indoors of, of um, uh, sort of uh, asthma symptoms. And um, we went there, we went, uh, then I went uh, together with uh, my wife and also then became co-founder, Yvonne. We went to Cairo, did an interview in the largest clinic for respiratory diseases in Egypt. Um, we also did a study in Germany to find out how was the readiness. And the results were that most of the people are ready to, or are interested in this type of data, but not are wearable per se. So if you can provide the information higher density but not as a wearable it's more favorable because you don't have to carry something around with you plus it's hard to manage how the people are uh, using the devices um, also the quality of data sensors back then weren't in the size you can miniaturize the devices uh, indefinitely and still have accurate data a lot of the things uh, kind of showing into to perspective that um, let's try a broader approach and say 
Uh, we provide the data um, our, uh, through our own means, so providing our own miniature uh, measuring stations, um, which are bigger than a wearable, uh, satellites and everything else that is coming. So at the end, we built up an entire uh, technology platform. And because now you are not tied to selling to direct customers, you can provide the data for everybody who's interested. So this basically made us um, an environmental intelligence provider for all types of different industries. And uh, we focus on how hardware is still a smaller component, but also focusing a lot on analytics and the, and, and the sort of uh, the use cases that come out of it. And this also is explained through the interdisciplinarity in the team. I mean, we have epidemiologists, we have traffic engineers, traffic simulation experts, geoinformatics, um, at ecoclimatology, like all these types of different um, um, yeah, uh, disciplines in a very small team. So we can take air quality data and bring it to actual insights on different types of levels um, in everyday life. Um, so this is sort of, before taking too much away, but this is sort of the basic journey that we took. I see. Um, before before we get into um, how uh, what type of institutions may be interested in your data, can we first get into how did your company end up with the name Hava Dava? <laughs> so it started in the very first days uh, where I was talking to Nikhil, uh, back then our, our, um, uh, also Studi Munich who was uh, with me in the team. Um, that uh, We've noticed that uh, we were looking for a name. Uh, so there were two names uh, that we're thinking about and Hava Dava was the second one because we noticed that Hava basically means air and Dava means medicine in more than seven languages. So it was the same thing in his languages, which is um, Hindi, uh, Urdu, Pashto, like an Asian, a lot of Asian languages, and, and in Arabic. But we also found out this is the same in Persian, in Swahili, in Malaysian, Indonesian. So we found out that I think more than one billion people will understand what Hawa Dawa means, even if you don't speak the language. And, if, and because air pollution is one of the biggest problems, like it's, it's a massive challenge for, for every single country worldwide. Um, We found it quite attractive to find him at first that rhymes, sounds uh, peculiar, and also addresses the issue that we're talking about, that air and medicine sort of, uh, or air and health cannot be seen as two separate things, but need to be interwoven into one sort of technological concept uh, to help us solve it. Been living in Beijing, I can totally say that air quality and health go together hand in hand. Um, that said, I just, you know, I'm not always taking everything so seriously. Um, your company name also had the, has the benefit all your employees can remember it if they're totally drunk at Christmas celebration. Hello, hello. Works perfectly. Um, that said, what kind of clients are you currently looking for? What type of institution is interested in your data? So we have an entire value chain that, that you need to, to, to look at. Uh, on, on the one side is data creation. So data creation means you have a lot of cities that don't only have maybe sort of a handful of data points or no data points at all, or the accessibility to these data points is not given. So you need to create your own data data database. Um, so on the one side, we create this data for 
uh, and place them at data markets, for example, through our own sentience device, our own IoT sensor networks. Uh, add to that the combination of sensor networks with atmospheric models, as well as satellites, the new satellites that are more monitoring air quality now that are between two, three, and, and even one year old, and still new ones will be launching. So we create this database, and basically anybody who is interested in this type of data, uh, addition, additional layer um, is, 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 is being addressed from municipalities and cities that still rely on a very old type of technology that um, we kind of extend uh, through the use of our data, our technology. But also we talk about weather companies, we're talking about um, kind of uh, Providers of 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 uh, more data marketplaces, smart city uh, platforms, IT platforms, but the main for, so this is basically to open up the market and let people work with air quality data as a commodity. What what our focus is on is that we do not just simply say this is the air quality data or this is the concentration that you're monitoring. Uh, but we're taking this data and saying, how does this relate to traffic, to weather, to health, to real estate, to your own uh, kind of city planning, uh, city planning, to uh, to shipping and logistics on a global scale through satellites. So basically, it's about building the bridge from air quality to all these type of disciplines using intelligent uh, business models, but also intelligent software uh, algorithms and programs to kind of help you decipher this data into clear insights that you can just use right away for your business or for your uh, city and municipality with one click. Because a lot of questions we have is like, and also this is why we moved away from the individual uh, B2C case, because if you're an asthmatic and walking in a high pollution area, what can you do? It's not, it's not like you get a red alarm and then you can have all the tools. Uh, you're, 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 your, your capability to counteract is limited, but with the power of companies, with the power of government, with the power of a lot of people who can influence uh, urban processes, you have a bigger and broader um, audience that you can uh, reach. So basically, yes, it's about number one, data creation and placing it to the people who just need the data to inform, but also in, uh, insights and analytics and intelligence based on this data that you apply directly to other softwares, uh, platforms, and also decision-making tools so that you don't just inform, but actually steer and control um, the city or your processes based on the quality information that you get. Um, when you've been talking, I had two questions in mind. One of them was, What's your geographical coverage? Can you provide like air quality data from all over the world or is it focused on like Germany or Europe? And secondly, uh, what type of sensors are you using? Are you also like a hardware manufacturer or you are actually buying them? Or is it like a, a size of a soccer ball that cities have to play somewhere in order to measure the air quality? That the attractiveness in, in our approach is the scalability of it. So basically, today, and since like one and a half, two years, how I can provide you the emissions data, um, basically uh, of most air pollutants, uh, on a global scale, from uh, monitoring every factory to every airport to every city to every shipping route. All this type of technology is already there. Albeit, of course, it's 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 in a low resolution. So spatially, it's a low resolution. But this is sort of the the, the how it are, um Technology is basically from very broad, creating hundreds of millions of data points per year uh, on a globe uh, to increase their time uh, to temporal and spatial resolution up to like 100 times 100 meters on a city scale. So the entire coverage from global, which is something we do today, upwards to individual cities um, uh, is possible with our platform. So basically, it's uh, uh, you can cover all the use cases that need real-time data, historic data, predicted data, 
but also global data um, are able to be covered through our platform. And the second question, sorry, what was the second question? Uh, what what type of sensors are you using? You're producing them yourself. You're relying on like factories, authorities providing like open data. So we, uh, as we started, as I mentioned earlier, we started from a hardware journey. We wanted to make, create uh, a good, uh, accurate device that allows us to deploy it in networks. So we experimented very long with different types of sensors that are now entering the market, new types of generation of sensors that are miniaturized but um, can provide some reliable base. So we tested all types of data sensors and then came out with a compilation that, that works well together. I also compared it with other uh, measurement devices in the, in, the, in the market and found out that we can achieve a higher uh, accuracy or a very good accuracy compared also to efficient measuring stations by combining these sensors, designing our own uh, um, Uh, cover case, the firmware, the PCB, the way we, we decipher the or the way we, we take this data uh, from the firmware and calibrate it. So using machine learning to calibrate the data, this is sort of everything that we do in-house. So we install the devices in our own office facilities, basically, and we deploy them um, uh, ourselves whenever a city uh, wants more real-time, uh, dense kind of measurement points. So if I understand it correctly, you basically rely on um, available data, make it available on your data platform. But if a city, um, municipality, something like this, wants more precise data, you can actually put your uh, sensors with your own firmware in there, right? Um, for the first aspect, what also makes sense is not just you, uh, you know, taking existing data, but merging existing data. And specific ways can get you help you get generate a lot better insights. Like with just existing data, we can already tell you the like what our project in Northern Ireland sort of the exposure of respiratory groups uh, according to the area code. We can tell you if the sources of air pollution are local or if the wind is bringing the air pollution. So with just with existing data, with the Howard platform, it's just a matter of input the data. We can provide you with a lot more in-depth analytics. Once even further, they're sort of controlling the infrastructure with traffic, ecosystem traffic management, providing more uh, dense data, then we deploy our sensors or uh, use the existing infrastructure that the city has. Um, I would assume since you're located right now in Germany, your main group of clients is within Germany, Europe, as well as international institutions? Um, yeah. So uh, we are uh, in Germany, uh, have a very good coverage. I think well, let's figure out like uh, uh, on board about 26 cities um, in, 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 uh, on our platform. We also have um, um, as well as Ireland, uh, UK, but also start other European countries. And we have corporations going on already today in Latin America and uh, Middle East and Northern Africa. So we're already extending sort of the network. Um, Uh, to kind of yeah, how our as the name says has a global kind of approach to it, and um, we we kind of um, honor this approach by looking uh, over also over the the, the uh, borders. Mm -hmm. I see. R really sorry. Uh, while you were speaking, uh, I had to constantly resize your uh, video. Uh, unfortunately, our um, influence on the internet itself is quite limited. And if there is a lot of traffic, there is nothing we can do about it. 
that said, let's get close to the end of our interview. What you guys are looking for? Usually startups are always looking for funding. <laughs> well, I mean, we are in the in the in the final stages of of closing a funding round. So uh, maybe for the following one, um, which would be looking more on the internationalization in 2021. So we're happy to get in contact with anybody interested in what we're doing, uh, but also very much interested in people who kind of are willing to be creative and take a step forward and kind of say. Um, I believe that air quality data, such as which I share our vision, which is basically air quality data should play a role in everyday decision-making process. And uh, whoever thinks that for his business or for his city or for his realm of influence, there is a possibility to integrate air quality information, um, whether it's a new product, new service, but also kind of just existing products and services. Our door is always open uh, for corporations or even if regionally saying, well, I wanted to have this in my economy well just write us um other than that yeah we were uh, always looking to expand and create sort of a movement behind this whole topic because um we believe that you can build up business and still be profitable and still kind of at the same time sustainable uh, and i think this is the the, the long the way to go if you look at what's happening right now in, in during the, the epidemic that um shows that you need to take the environment and so anybody who shares this vision of course is welcome to join our uh, our network well awesome last words only thing left for me to say is thank you very much everybody who'd like to learn more go down here in the show notes there is a link not only to Hawadawa website but also to your personal linkedin profile so people can reach out to you directly thank you very much it was a pleasure having you here thank you Jan, and um, stay safe that's all folks find more news streams events and interviews at www.startuprad.io remember sharing is caring